0: Teach and train. All right, come this we talked about John 11, 13 through 13. Now we're here with John 14 through 17. Even though this week we'll get to John chapter 18, we'll cover that next week as we conclude the Gospel of John. And I hope this has been an encouragement for you as it has been for me. I've been reading through the Gospel of John with you as a church So without further ado, let's get out our Bibles and let's go through, I want to to do a couple highlights per chapter when it comes to uh, the Gospel of John. So we are in John chapter 14 and even the heading, it kind of gives it away. Here is another I am statement. This is the sixth I am statement out of seven. Right away in verse 6. Jesus tells to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The reason why Jesus says this in verse 5, Thomas asked him, we don't know where you're going. How will we know the way? We have no idea where you're going, Jesus. And he says, I am the way. I am going back to the Father. And verse 2, I'm going back to the Father's house. So I'm going back to the Father. And they're like, we don't know how to get there. And, and he's saying, I am the way to get there. So follow me. Hence why we're called Christ followers. And so I love how simple and straightforward Jesus is right now as he's helping and encouraging his disciples. And it should be an encouragement for us as we remember that we cannot find the way to, to God only through Christ can we. And thankfully, he's not the only person that we're dealing with. And he's like to, going to expand upon this, expound upon this in the next few chapters. He talks about in verse 16 that he will give us another person called the helper. And you see, notice the H is capitalized uh, in the word helper right here, talking about the Holy Spirit. And he will be with the Christian forever. So help is coming. But why why is help coming? Well, verse 15, go back to the previous verse. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And talking about the sermon that we just talked about as a church with Pastor Hayden based on Matthew 5, 19 through 20. How we do not want to neglect any of the commandments that Jesus gave us. Because if we're going to show our love for Christ, we are going to obey him. Through outward expression, through a changed heart, with who? The helper who is going to be with us. So why is the Holy Spirit here? To help us love God and to help us to properly love God by keeping his commandments. Because in verse 20, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So if you say, I'm a lover of God and do not keep his commandments... Jesus is saying, you got to rethink your mindset right there. But we can't do this at all. We, know that we all fall short of obeying. But that's why the helper, verse 29, is coming to, to help us. And in actually verse 26, excuse me, Jesus says that the helper will be with the disciples to teach them all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Right here, you can jot down that scripture is breathed out, 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Well, the disciples and the apostles wrote down what Jesus said. You have John being one of them right here. You have Paul, who later came. But how do they remember, especially Matthew or John, who were eyewitnesses? How, how do they remember? Well, the Holy Spirit. That's why we believe that you know, God used men to write the Bible. He used men. We believe that God, uh, it was not a dictation theory that God, con- you know, is this robot. No, God spoke through men like John and Matthew to record his word for us today to pre- be preserved so that we can know what? That we can love God. If we love God, we're going to follow Christ. If you know more on that, you can ask me here at church about the scripture and how we got it. Now, going down to verse, uh, down to chapter 15. Here is the final I am statement right here. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Now, with the context, remember in the previous uh, chapter, he's talking about we gotta, if we're going to love God, we're going to keep his commandments. The only way we're going to keep his commandments is, to, is by the, through the Holy Spirit. And, and in order to have that, we need to be abiding, to be with Christ. Jesus has this really hard statement in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it, be, that it would be bear more fruit. Now, verse four is going to be a really helpful uh, verse right here. It says, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless... It abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So how are we supposed to obey the commandments? By walking in Christ. Well, how do we walk in Christ? Well, we need to have the Holy Spirit in us. We need to be saved. We need to be redeemed. We need to place our trust in Christ. You see how all of our good works, all of our obedience is contingent on God and God and God. We can only obey if God saves us. We can only obey if God strengthens us. We can only obey if we abide with God, Jesus Christ. And so we can do nothing without God. So we can't try to obey the commandments that Christ gave us on our own. But instead, we need to turn to Christ and pray for the strength that He would provide through the Holy Spirit to give us so that we may live for Him. But what is the purpose of all our good works? Verse 8 By this, my Father is glorified. When we bear much fruit in obedience, we glorify God. We also glorify God by proving to be his disciples. His disciples love one another, so we ought to love because we love one another. If we keep Christ's commandments, verse 10, you will abide in his love. So if we really want to stay in Christ's love, guess what we'll do? Abide in it. And so how, you know, we got to make sure, what is our motive? To glorify God, not ourselves. But what is, a commandment that, what is a commandment that Christ gives us? Well, look at verse 12. This commandment I give to you, love one another just as loved, I have loved you. Well, that seems like a great commandment for us to follow, to love one another. And how do we love? Well, laying down our lives for our friends. No, no greater love has no, no one than this, than someone laid down his life for his friends. Verse 13 of John 15. And so we need to make sure that we are living like Christ by abiding in his love. And when we do that, Jesus warns in verses 18 to the finish, end of the chapter that the world's going to hate us because we are not going to love it. We are going to love God and they are against God. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we follow Christ's commandments that we'll be hated. And even so, in, verse, in, the, in the beginning of chapter 16, if you go to verse 2, they're going to give the reasons why, oh, God's going to reveal the reason why they are persecuting Christians. It's because they think they're doing it in service of God. We I mean, think of the culture today. You know, we have Pride Month currently, and we have all these stores jumping in. Why? Because they think that this is what pleases other people, and even for some people, even pleases God. And we know that it doesn't. Why? Because of his revealed will. So we shouldn't be surprised when we do follow God that we are persecuted. But remember what Pastor Hayden preached on, blessed are the persecuted. Now for chapter 16, The the really the big highlight I want you to know from this chapter is the, the advantage that we have of having the Holy Spirit. I can't wait to be with Jesus. I really can't wait. I know that it's to my advantage to have the helper now than to have him in the first century because the helper is omnipresent. He's everywhere. And so he's at our advantage because he's also everywhere and he's with us. Also, he's going to help us fulfill our mission to make disciples, to go out to make disciples by proclaiming the gospel because he is going to go out to, to convict the world of three things. Convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment in verse 8. He expounds on it in verses 9 through 11. Concerning sin because they didn't believe in Christ. Concerning righteousness because Christ goes to the Father. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And so we as Christians can stand firm through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now as we proclaim knowing that the Holy Spirit is going to go out and convict the world. And then furthermore, encouragement to the disciples, but the principle still applies to us. When he comes, he'll guide us into all truth in his word so we know how to speak. And, and give some words of encouragement. Jesus, uh, in the middle of John chapter 16, verses uh, 16 through 24 he talks about, he's an analogy of a woman giving birth and how her sorrow, the, the, hour of, has ta- the, the time has come to give birth, which is a very painful process that I'll never know just to watch my wife go through it. But the joy of seeing the baby brought into this world, she'll forget all the pain. I even remember witnessing this when Candace gave birth to Theodore. I remember her through the pain and, and anguish and when the doctor said, look at your child, look at your child, he stopped. And all of a sudden, the Candace that you know reappeared. And I'm sitting there dumbfounded going, wow, Jesus is pretty good at analogies. So why do I bring this up? Well, why does Jesus bring this up? Because he says he's leaving the disciples. But, the, but he's saying he's coming to see him again. Verse 22. So you also you'll have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. And so even though we never got to meet Jesus in person yet, we look forward to the day that we get to. Even though we have sorrow now through the pain that we experience in relationships here or through the painful experiences of sin, we look forward to seeing Christ once again. And one last word of encouragement that he gives his disciples before he prays is the last verse in verse 33, saying, that I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. Take heart, I have overcome the world. So Compass, I pray that you would underline verses uh, 33, knowing that even though we will have tribulation in this life, we can have peace because Christ has overcome the world. The Jesus thing goes into this wonderful chapter, chapter 17. Well, he didn't have chapters then, but into this high priestly prayer. Really, this is the true Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 is the disciples' prayer. This is the Lord's Prayer. It's something I want you to know. I want want you to read chapter 17 slowly, slower than I am talking right now. You're going to notice a theme right here. like It says in verse 1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Right here you see how the triune God works together. They glorify one another. They exalt one another because all being equal, God, they want to exalt God. Because that's what the proper thing me that's the proper thing to do. And you're gonna notice that throughout the remainder of the prayer, but one thing I do want you to jump to is verse 20. And the cool part is that Jesus prays for you and me. If you are a believer right now, if you have repented of yourself and no longer trust in yourself to earn your way to heaven and place your say, you know, the trust in Christ, turn from your sin and trust in Christ's righteousness to cover your sins, Jesus prayed for you. Go down to verse 20. So he's praying primarily for his disciples before this, but also he prays for the disciples' disciples. Verse 20, And do not ask for these only. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and me. Just pass down the line. That they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. What a beautiful prayer that Jesus prays for us. That we would be one with God as He is one, to be in a perfect relationship, that we have broken through our sin. And that so that the world, people all over the world, maybe our children, our family members, our friends, or strangers, would believe that that the Father has sent Jesus and lead him to saving faith. And so, as Jesus exalted the Father, and the Father exalted Christ. Let us, too, also exalt Christ in the way that we live as changed Christians through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so be encouraged that Jesus prayed for you. Encourage that Jesus, if we abide in Jesus, we can walk faithfully in Him. If we know that we can love Him by obeying Him, and that we can obey Him because as Christians we have the Holy Spirit. Compass, I'm excited to jump into the final pet chapters of the Gospel of John. I pray that you are encouraged by Jesus' prayer for you as a Christian. That God would bring you to oneness with Him as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one with each other. Compass, we'll see each other next week as we conclude the Gospel.